morning, um, we want to finish up a series that we started in November. We took a little bit of time off over Christmas, uh, but we've been in a series. This is part nine uh, of a series. If you missed some of it, you can go back and find it online, which is great. And I would encourage you to because we've learned so much through this uh, time together. Uh, I'm just excited this morning to share a little bit the final kind of the the closing thoughts of the series, but it it doesn't really ever close. And uh, that's the power of his word. It's alive and powerful living in us. So uh, this week, um, we watched this uh, movie with our kids called uh, Inside Out. It's by Disney. It's about how your brain works. And as we were watching this, this, this thing came up about deja vu. And our kids were like, what's deja vu? It's like, well, it's like you've been somewhere before. It's like you've, you've heard something before. And it's like, man, this just feels like, like I've been here before. And maybe you're going to have that same feeling as we start this by saying, hey, we've been talking about a guy named Paul who was in prison. And you're like, yeah, I, I remember. Now the slide is going to come up with the prison cell with the little potted plant that Paul planted. And, and just for that, I'm not going to put it up there because I know it's in there already. It's like, man, I've, I've heard this before. Because you know what happens when we get into that mode of I've heard this before, our brain just shuts off. No new information. But this morning, as we kind of close this whole thing uh, today, I just... My prayer is that your brain is turned on to the spot where it's like, man, I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss a moment of it. Because Paul wrote something so important because it mattered. As he was sitting in that prison cell, you know, maybe he sees his Roman guards just standing outside his cell, decked out in all their armor. He has that thought. I want to write to the Jesus followers all over because they're going to see Roman guards too. And when they see those Roman guards, when, when they see them, I want them to think this. When they see a helmet, I want them to think this. When they see that shield, I want them to think this. And so, if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians 6. It's where we've been. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says this. A final word, which we've said, what Paul meant with a final word is that from now on. Yeah, from now on. If you weren't here the last couple of weeks, you're like, I didn't get the memo. You can join us. We just simply say, put that on after I say from now on. So just so you don't feel awkward, we'll give you one more chance. From now on. Put that on. Yeah, there you go. So from now on, Paul says, put that on. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And here's what he says. Put on intentionally, like, like you put on clothes. Put on all God's kind of armor so that you'll be able to, what? Stand firm against the strategies of the devil. He says, from now on which simply means be prepared. Be prepared. We talked about it last week. Preparation matters. Uh, We were robbed this week, uh, and if we had been prepared, it wouldn't have happened, but we weren't. You know what? Thieves don't, they don't wait until, they don't come in the middle of the day. They wait till you're not around. That's when they come, Uh, and, but we're prepared now, just in case you're watching online. We got video cameras now. We'll be watching for you. Be prepared. Be prepared. You know, it's like, I think about it too, as, as Jesus followers, it's like getting into a ring with a UFC fighter. You know, if it was any of us and we look and we're like, we're the little guy, just in case you were wondering. You know, you're in the ring and you're like, the question that you should, you know, would maybe ask is like, okay, where's the door to the cage? How do I get out? And the second thing is maybe you ask, well, what do I do now? What do I do now? See, that question, what do I do now, is a question we should have asked, this guy should have asked it like at least, you know, 10 years earlier. What do I do now so that I'm ready then? I'm going to start working out. Like for me, I'd be just destroyed in a second in there. What do I do now so I'm ready then? And that's the question I think you should ask yourself. Um, we working with people going through addictions and going through some of that stuff myself. We find that there's a, a spot along the journey that tells us when you're at your best, plan for your worst. 
When you're at your best, plan for your worst. Don't wait for your worst and then think, i got to come up with a plan. So to those who are struggling with alcoholism, I said, you know, don't wait till you find yourself at a party where all of a sudden they're handing out the alcohol. Have a plan in mind of like, no, I know who I can call. I know where I can go. I know how I'm going to get out of that situation. If it's whatever it may be, have a plan so that you can, so that you're ready when your worst comes. And what is that? When you make a plan, you simply acknowledge that I have an enemy who doesn't give up and he's going to come back around. But next time I'll be ready. Next time I'll be ready. What am I going to do now so I'm ready then? Paul says it this way, verse 12. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We're fighting against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places, these things we don't see that affect the things we do see. And Paul's just simply saying, you have an enemy. We talked about that last week, the little fuzzy bunny that we slaughtered. Um, if you weren't here, you really missed it. Um, that enemy that wants you to think he's made up he's just imaginary your enemy is not made up and he doesn't give up he's always looking for an opportunity to attack he doesn't care about you and he doesn't fight fair against you um, Peter described him as a as a lion's looking whom uh, looking for someone that he can devour and I found this video I just wanted to show you that might illustrate a little bit better what what I'm trying to explain this morning so here's the let's just show the video there's your enemy there's you. She needs to get close before she attacks. The bushes provide the perfect cover. There's your enemy. There's you. Enemy, you! Turn your eyes, children. Mission accomplished. Why do we show that? Last week I was talking about how, you know, he's trying to find videos and the, the, the thing always gets away. But we, the truth is, it doesn't always get away. And I see people, when I see that, I think, man, poor warthog. But I see people, Jesus followers, who are in the fight of their lives. Some not Jesus followers are in the fight of their lives. The enemies attacked your marriage. The enemies attacked your family, attacked your finances, attacked your mind, attacked your soul, attacked your value, attacked your faith, your trust in God. Sometimes he does it just flat out like that. It's like rushes after you to take you out. And, and it's like you're standing on that rock, but he's pushing and whatever he can to get you off that foundation. Other times he just waits and he just baits until you find yourself in a place where you begin to doubt and then he takes you out on the brink of bankruptcy before they reach out. People whose marriage is just at the last thread before they finally say, hey, I, I need some help or struggling with addiction. It's like if you watch, they have to lose everything before they finally say, would somebody help me? I have a problem. See, the problem is that the, the enemy, the lion, is winning too many times in the lives of Jesus followers still today. I see it all the time. I see it all the time where too often the lion is winning. You know, we see that, that thing where Paul's writing. I think he writes that knowing. He says, your, your enemy's not going to fight fair. He's coming for you. He wants to destroy you. You are like that warthog. So he says this in verse 13. So therefore... 
because he's coming, because he's fighting, because he does win sometimes, in light of that, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to to, uh, resist the enemy in the time of evil. And after the battle, you'll still be what? Standing firm. Hands up for all those who want to be the warthog. I was like, whoop. No, no, wait a second. Trick question. None of us want to be the warthog. We don't want to lose. We want to be the winner. And Paul's saying, if you want to win, if you want to win in the battles of life, in those real battles of life, you need to prepare. You need to be ready because otherwise it's going to go badly for you. Today's Groundhog Day. I don't know if you knew that. Groundhog Day, we watched the movie a while back. I seem to have watched a lot of movies lately. But Bill, um, Bill Murray plays the role of Phil Connors, who keeps living the same day over and over and over. I think they added it up. It's like 14,000 days is what he does over and over and over. And maybe that's you, but you just don't realize it. It's if you look at your life, you'd say, you know what? It feels like my life is just doing the same thing over and over and over. It feels like the same things keep on happening, and I'm not sure why. It's like it's the same old temptation again and again and again. It's like that same old sin that traps me again and again and again. The same old addiction. The same old relationships. I keep dating the same guy, wrong guy, kind of guys. Not me, you. You know, I'd say, I, keep, I keep ending up in these, this, this fight with my spouse that I just, don't, I just don't know why it keeps going that way. Or maybe if you're honest, you sit there and there's things you've just, there's these lies that go through your mind and you just keep believing over and over and over. Every once in a while, there's those glimpses where, you know, you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, I do believe I'm forgiven. And then you go home and it's like, no, it tanks right away again. There's those spots where you're like, oh, I thank God that he is with me through this. And then you leave and it's like, oh, the weight of the world just on your shoulders. And you're like, oh, over and over and over. The definition, I don't know if it's really the definition of insanity, but they say that, you know, that doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result is insanity. But I think there's another maybe clearer definition for many of us this morning is that a thought of doing nothing over and over and over and expecting something to change is insanity. And that's my fear this morning, is that we have lots of people who tend to sit in a pew and say, oh, that was good, I like that video. I liked last week's video better, but this was all right. This was entertaining, I think I learned something, I feel better for it, and then they go home and do nothing with it. Study something for eight weeks about spiritual warfare, you're in a battle, and then do nothing with it. That's the danger that I don't want us as a church, as his family, to find ourselves in. Because James, the brother of Jesus, recognized that this was happening in the church in day one. People haven't changed that much. The early church, this is what he wrote, James 1, verse 21, the brother of Jesus said this, so get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly, with meekness, accept. And that same word is take up like you would take up the helmet of salvation. Accept the word the Logos, the spoken word of God that he's planted in your hearts for it's got power to save your soul. Your spirit saved right now. It's the rest of you that needs help. It's this up here, the the soul, the mind, the the emotions, the will that, that needs some changing. And he says this. He says it's not just, oh, hear something. He's like, accept, receive in your heart. Have a gentle, like, like it's like planted, like a seed is planted. Have a meek, gentle heart saying, God, you know what? My heart's open to you. You know, when I, we, kind, we always pray before we start, God, would you speak to me? I don't say that because it's like, that's what we do now. 
that's my hope is that you would say, God, would you speak to me? And he's like, you know what? I'm going to put this little seed in their heart that's going to grow. But our hearts matter. We can say, God, yeah, I'm, you know what? Whatever you say, I say yes. God, I don't want to resist. I might not be sure of, what, of all of the implications of this, but I trust your goodness and I trust your word. Would you, would you put it in my life? God, I, I want what you say for me. I want to take it to heart what you're saying. I want to take it to heart. Is that you this morning? Because he says it's that idea of accepting what God has planted. And they use the word engrafted, which is a horticultural term. That that idea of taking one plant and and connecting it to another closely enough that the one receives life from the other. He says, that's the relationship I want you to have with the word and with me. That it's so connected to you that you receive life from it. As we sing those songs, you give life. It's your breath in my lungs. God, I'm trusting in you. Jesus said to his followers, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm like, you're grafted into me. And he says, you know, you'll bear fruit with two things. One, stay connected to me. Stay connected to me. Stay connected to my word. You're going you're gonna to bear fruit. And James is saying similar things. He says, receive that engrafted word. Let it be in there. And then he says in verse 22, but don't just listen to God's word. He says, that's what you're doing right now, which is great. But don't just listen. He says, you got to do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, but then you walk away and forget what you look like. What's he saying? It's like you woke up this morning and many of you looked in the mirror. And we can tell because you don't look like you did at 6 a.m. You did something. You're like, oh, man. Got to find some way to fix this a little. That's what he's saying. He says, if you look into the word and it reveals stuff in your life, it has the power to change you. In our lives, we look into a mirror. The mirror doesn't have the power to change us, but the word is, I love how Zach said that. It's like that. It just burns away the stuff in us and causes us to change and changes us. He says in verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, God's going to bless you for doing it. See, his word actually has the power to change things. It really does. We talked about it last week, but it has the power to change you. That's why Paul said to the Romans, he says that that idea of be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get your mind on his word, his way of thinking, and it'll change your life. It'll change the way you treat people. It will. It, It grows like a seed, but the enemy doesn't give up. He's in there with the lawnmower trying to hack out whatever seed is being sown up here. And that battle's happening right now. It's in your mind. It's on your tongue. Why do we say that? Because your tongue says what's going on up here and what's going on in here. It's one of the greatest ways to find out whether you believe something to be true or not or what your, what your thought is if you're winning the battle. And many aren't. Many aren't winning the battle. And that's the thing that my hope this morning is as we close the series is that we would, we would find out what do I do now? What do I do now so I'm ready then? Ephesians 6 verse 14, we're going to go there. Stand your ground, he says. Stand your ground. I got a little illustration for you. Sorry, I'm going to have to take your armrest. Somebody brought something for us last night. You can come up later and take a look at it if you'd like. I'd hold it up, but it's heavy. He carved this. And as you can see, as you can see, he shows all of the Things, salvation written as the helmet, faith written as the shield, truth as the belt. He said, man, as I, as I carve this, he says, I've never forgotten since then what all those things were and been reminded of that. 
It was his way of putting this into here and into here, that he would remember it. And Paul said this, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Paul's saying to them, you're in a battle, so put on truth. Why do you put on truth? There's a conversation going on in your head. It's going on right now. It, it always is. Thousands of thoughts every minute going through your mind, and most of them are negative. Most of them are negative. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and told them, you need to take every thought, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It's why you need truth. You need to know what's true so when something that's not true comes into your mind, you're like, that's not true. That's not true. And then he says, what do you do with it? He says, take it captive. Anybody watch Cops? You know where Cops is like, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when I come for you? And what do they do? They taser, hold him down, whatever it is. We got that, we got that bad guy and he's off to jail. That's the same picture Paul's saying, bad thoughts, bad thoughts, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when I come for you? And you grab those thoughts as they come into your mind, like, I'm not thinking those things anymore. You know, I'm going to wrestle that thought to the ground. You know, there's things that just fly into your mind all the time. Those things of, yeah, yeah, you're no good, wrong. It's not about me. It's about what he says I am. I'm his masterpiece. You know, you're, you're not right with God because you just messed up. Well, it's not about me. It's because he died on a cross for me. I'm right with him because of Jesus. So Jesus, help me fix what just happened. You know, maybe all of a sudden the mother-in-law says something, and that's like a dart in your mind, and you're like... Where'd that come from? And you're like, whoa, this is fighting terms. She's not the enemy. And you wrestle that thought and say, no, no. Jesus, help me to love, right? Whatever, whatever it is, whatever it may be, however it comes in, he's like, you need to, you need to wrestle that down. And you know what? I, I know that it's not, I know that people aren't winning that battle all the time. This week I got a text from somebody that simply said this. They said, lately I, I don't feel like I fit in with Christians, like I'm not good enough. And, you know, I thought, oh, we could just send the nice text. Oh, there, there, it's going to be okay. I'm like, I'm tired of sending those texts. I'm like, listen, girl, you need to armor up because you're believing a lie right now. It's one of the enemy's lies that he's putting in your mind, and it is not true. So armor up with truth and know that you're loved and get back in the game. Caps, letters, whatever. She says, thanks, Mark. She was here with a big smile last night. Why? Because she got to win that battle. We always want someone else to win it for us, but he's like, I want you to armor up with truth. What are the lies you're believing? What are the lies that keep coming in your mind that you're believing? Because he says, he says to you, from now on, actually put that on. Actually have truth, weighing out the things that are going in your mind because it matters. Put on righteousness. Righteousness and right relationship with God, with other people. Notice he doesn't say, hey, put on good works or put on better behavior. Try and be a better Christian. He doesn't say that. That's part of being a Christian, but that's not how you get this. He says, you're right with God because of what Jesus did for you. You need to simply stand on the fact that you are right with him, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's because even when you fail, if I show of hands, how many of you have failed this week? Every hand better go up or you just lied, so you might as well raise your hand with the rest of us. <laughs> even when you fail, you're not a failure. God doesn't look at you and say, oh, you're a failure. Did you know that as a Jesus follower, even when you sin, and miss the mark, he doesn't think of you now as a sinner. Like, if we would think about that just in the way we sometimes project our, our thoughts on God, it'd be like us having a toddler, my toddler, and I'm like, my toddler's starting to walk and learning to walk, and, and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, buddy, you go ahead. And he takes a step and he falls on his face. I'm like, 
You got to do better than that. What's wrong with you, kid? You must be too much like your mother or something. Whatever it is. And we're like, that's it. Fine. You're, we're done. You are not a Vanderweer anymore. I'm going to go make another toddler. <laughs> we can never in our minds, I hope you can't imagine that I'm like that in our minds, right? We can't imagine that any parent would do that. And when we say he's our good, and Jesus said he's your perfect heavenly father, it's like that thought of saying, listen, I took you out of the miry clay. I took you out of the mess you made, and I set you on this rock. Now just stand there. And when you fall, I'll pick you up. You didn't let me down. You're not holding me up. I got you, and I'm going to put you back on that. And I want you to stand firm in that and keep fighting. Keep fighting because I put you there. He doesn't write you off. That's the great, good thing of amazing grace. And so when the enemy just throws those thoughts of condemnation in your mind, thoughts of guilt, thoughts of shame, it's time to say, you know what? Shoo, fly, you bottom me. Take a hike. We're done. I'll wrestle that to the ground because it's time to armor up. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, and I will stand on that. It is time from now on to put that on, to put that on. He says, for shoes. Put on peace that comes from the good news of the gospel. To put on good news. The, there's lots of bad news around. You just read it everywhere. But he's saying focus on the good news. What you focus on, you make bigger. You make bigger in your life. And to say, I'm going to build my life on his good news for me. And we celebrate communion. That at my worst, he came and changed it all. That he did it all. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just simply relationship with him. That I can have him. It's incredible. It'll give you peace. You know, John wrote and said, your enemy comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. Jesus says, I came that you'd have life. I didn't come that you'd have church or that you could have religion or here's some rules to follow. I just came so you could have life. What life really is, it's why I came. And he says, why do you need to put on the gospel? Because it's not just for you. It's not just important that you believe it. It's for those around you. Who around you needs to hear good news? Your work, your school, maybe it's in your own home. And so what Paul says, from now on, put that on. Put that on. Be ready with that. And some of you are like, how many more times are we going to have to say that? (laughs) Three. But I was homeschooled, so it might be seven. In addition, hold up the shield of faith. Said that's confident trust in God. Why? Because the enemy's tossing darts. Darts of things like fear they tosses in your life. We say fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real. It, it's not real, but it appears real. It's why kids, when they, they're in their bed, my son, he's like, he comes up terrified. And we're like, what's wrong? He's like, there's something on the wall. And looking at him, we're like, there's nothing there, son. There's nothing there. It's false evidence. It appears real, but it's really not there. And we begin to deal with that spiritual side of things. And there's that fear. And we think, yeah, kids afraid of the boogeyman. Uh, okay, whatever. Do you know adults are the same? Oh no, coronavirus, it's going to get me. The Chinese death loo is coming. Uh, it's, it's going to get me. Or whatever it may be. We think of things, oh no, man, that's like, huh, I don't feel financially, I don't want my job, I don't know what's going to happen, and those things come into our minds. And he's saying, you know what, you can just simply put on a trust that God's good, that he'll take care of you, that no matter what you're going through, he's got you, and it's not all about here. That's why Paul could simply say, it doesn't matter what happens in my life. 
It doesn't matter. I trust God's goodness. Death can't separate me from him. Life, it doesn't matter. Nothing's going to separate me from him. I'm so confident of that. And Paul would describe the external versus the internal. And he says it to the Corinthians in this way. I think we have the verse. He's like, we're pressed on every side. That's happening outside. He's like, it's, my, my life's not hunky-dory. There's stuff going on. But guess what? Inside, I'm not crushed. He says, you know what? We're perplexed. But I'm not driven to despair. He says, and the thing, we're hunted down, but I'm not abandoned. I might get knocked down sometimes, but I'm not destroyed. Why? Because I got that confident trust in my God. I know that he's got this. And he says to the Jesus followers, it's time to armor up with this. So from now on, put that on. That when you find yourself in a scenario and situation, God, are you with me? Yeah, I trust your word. I might not feel it, but God, you're with me. Okay, I can do, we can do this. You're, you're with me. And then he says, put on salvation as your helmet. That idea of putting on salvation is that, you, you know, you're focused on eternity. Not getting caught up in everything that's going on in the world. Like, we, we, we spend 35 minutes a week for me preaching to you. Against, you know what you're up against? Or what I'm up against? is all of the other preachers for the other 24 hours a day that are preaching to you as soon as you leave this place billboards, magazines, people at work, your wife, all the scenarios and situations, the bill collectors, the people on the phone, the internet, it's all preaching at you all of the time. All of the time, sending things into your, into your mind and, and it gets you focused on, oh, I think I do need that. Yes, I think I will buy that. What, how much was on my visa? Okay, well, that feels bad. This will feel good if I buy that. And you go and you go and you go. In Bible school, they always told us, if you're gonna get into ministry, avoid the gold, the glory, and the girls. Those three things will take you down every time. And to our friends in Germany, avoid the fame, the fortune, and the lines. So it was these thoughts of there's things that are out there to take you down. We think our lives are made of what we earn or what we, we get. And he's saying, you know, keep your life, keep your heart and your mind set on eternity because it's what really matters. If it doesn't matter, then does it really matter? So from now on, put that on, he says. Armor up, put that on. And then he finally says, put, take up the word. We talked about it last week. You can't use what you don't have. Your, your weapon against the enemy doesn't matter if it's not here. If his word's not in your, in your mind and in your heart and on your tongue already, it's not going to do anything when the enemy attacks. So what do I do now so I'm ready for then? Get into his word so that you follow. I would say just read about the life of Jesus. So that you're so convinced of his goodness, of his love for people. How he treated people then is how he treats people today. About his grace, about his power, about his truth. Just so convinced that when the enemy comes, like, no, that's not Jesus. No, that doesn't sound like him. That God's not doing this to me. I know that enemy. Let's go. I'm ready for you. Because I'll stand on the truth and I'll stand with him. But my question for you this morning is, what's keeping you from studying his word? What's keeping you from putting it there? Something is. Because I know statistically... What happened last week is we said, hey, paper sword versus real sword. Most, of, most people hearing that last week would have gone home and uh, simply thought, oh, that was an interesting thing. I can't believe he slaughtered a stuffy on stage. But what was meant to happen is that you'd go home and you'd be like, man, you know what? I need to put his word in my heart. And you start signing up for Bible studies or you start reading every day and just saying, God, I'm going to do what I know to do to put it in here. I'm not going to do show of hands. But how many of you went home and you said, yeah, you know what, that mattered, and I want to be ready. So I started, Mark, this week I actually started reading the Bible. I started spending time in the New Testament. I'm just, I'm taking in his Logos so that there's something on the inside for me. The reason I don't want to show of hands is because for many in this place, they, they wouldn't be able to raise their hand. 
Why? Because they sat in a seat and thought, oh, yeah, that sounded good. Okay, we have an enemy. Okay, we need to be ready for the fight. Yes, I feel better because I heard it. And nothing was done. Nothing was done. And the next time the enemy comes, you're the warthog. As a pastor, it breaks my heart to see that happen over and over and over again. Marriages of two Jesus followers who are fighting each other. Why? Because you believe the lie that it's them and don't see just behind them that it's an enemy out for your relationships. Where it's like, oh, busy, busy, busy. So there's no time to spend time in the word. And not seeing that that's the enemy wreaking havoc in your lives. We're in the things with your family. It happens to all of us. It happens to me. I'm not immune. Just praying, God, help me to be ready. As raising kids, and sometimes they can get to that spot where they step on your last nerve or just jump on or kick you. Like, and you're just like, man, there's something that wants to react. So begin just going on you version, like parenting, godly, godly parenting, help. Get, they have something for that. 240 days. I'm just finding ways that God, that God talks about parenting. Why? Because the next time it happens, I want to be ready. want to be ready. How about you? What's keeping you? Because that's the enemy in some way, whatever it is. It's not the physical. It's behind that. And Paul says it's time to armor up from now on. Put that on. Put that on. As we close, Ephesians 6. Paul ends that whole idea of the armor with this thought, verse 18. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times and every occasion. Stay alert. Stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers. There's no specific piece of armor for prayer. It's basically all of this in your prayers. Praying, God, help me see truth. As I read your word, would you speak to me? I don't want information. I don't want knowledge. I want heart change. God, let your, let your word be living and powerful, effective. Let it cut and show what's going on inside of me. Let it teach me this morning. Help me, Father, and pray through that. God, I pray that as I go through my day, knowing that I'm right with God, help me to see the people I'm not right with and what I can do in those situations. Heavenly Father, I pray that I would see them the way you see them, as they're not connected to you yet. I have no right to judge them because I was there, but help me to see the ones who you're reaching out for. May I reach out for them as well. Father, I pray that, that as I'm going out, that I would be focused on your good news, that I wouldn't just keep this good news to myself. Help me to find opportunities and know how to share and what to share. As you begin to pray through all these things, just simply talking to God, sometimes we think prayer is like this weird thing. You have to assume the position, whichever your preferred religion But he just simply says, prayer is just conversation with your Heavenly Father. Talking, listening. So you can't do this while you're driving, but you can have a conversation with him while you're driving. You could do this, and you'll have a conversation with him real soon. <laughs> Paul simply says, why well, pray at all times? And I, I just love this thought, though. He says, stay alert, stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And then humbly says in verse 19, and pray for me too. Can you imagine that? The great apostle Paul asking the early Jesus followers, hey, would you, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Ask God to give me the right words. What does he say? He doesn't say, God, I pray that God will get me out of prison. 
I really want out of this situation. He says, no, he just simply says, pray that God's going to give me the words I need to explain his good news for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, but I'm still preaching the message as God's ambassador. So pray, pray for me that I'll keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Pray, pray that I'll stand firm, that I'll stand firm in the situation that I'm in, is what Paul says. What a model for us. Would you pray for us? Pray that we'd stand firm in the situation you're in. And you know, this is the final thought, is this, that when... If I were to ask this morning, how many of you have, you know, you're in the battle of your life right now. It's like everything is going wrong. You, you, you relate. You're like, yeah, that's me. I'm in that. That's me. I'm in that battle. There would be hands up all over the place. But if I ask this question, how many of you here, life's pretty good. You know, it's like, yeah, wife's happy. Kids are obedient. Dog does his business where it's supposed to. Like my life is like, it's pretty good right now. There'd be hands up all over the place as well. And I just want to say to those, the temptation for us is when we find ourselves in the good places, that those are the times we actually tend to look for the spiritual hammock. We just go like, oh, good, finally, I reprieve. I can just breathe. Life is good. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just going, oh, this is great. And you know what Paul says? He says, listen, from now on. Why? Because maybe right now you're not fighting for you. Maybe your prayers and it's not, it's not for your situation. He's simply saying, listen, would you be persistent in your prayers for your brothers? Because what you were going through, someone else is going through now. What you've defeated and what you've conquered, someone else is going through. If you've been set free from something, someone else is battling it. Would you get into prayer for them? Why? Because they need to know. God, I just pray that they'd see your truth today. Father, I pray that as they're going through sickness right now and they're watching online because they can't be here. Heavenly Father, I pray that you give them strength. I pray you give them confidence. I pray that, that, that your healing would touch their body. But I pray for them right now because maybe they don't feel like praying for themselves. Because you're a big family. And he says, from now on, put that, put that on, put that on. So I leave you with this thought. What are you going to do today so that you're ready then? What do I do now so I'm ready then? Because the battle's coming. I hope there's no warthogs here next week. I hope you went home and said, nah, I know there's an enemy and he's not getting me next time. So from now on. Man, I hope you wake up tomorrow morning just with those words in your mind. And be like, oh, dang that guy. That's all I think about. Put that on. Put that on. Put that on. Heavenly Father, thank you that it's not just about right here and right now, but that as we go from this place, we go with you. That Holy Spirit, you would stir up in our hearts this idea to be aware of your truth, to be aware of your armor, of the gifts, the good, good gifts you've given us, to be grateful for it, and Lord, to realize just to be aware and realize that our enemy's out for us. God, thank you that you win, that we're with you, you're with us. Lord, I, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would translate to each individual situation this morning what this word means for them, whether it's marriages or families or finances or health or whatever it is, that you would lead them in this so that they're ready, so that they're ready. God, thank you today that we could celebrate your sacrifice for us. That it wasn't our doing, but it's yours. So we just simply trust you. We simply trust you. Would you lead us in the steps this week? In your name and for your glory. Amen.